thanks for being here. We've got uh, Gord Thatcher again, Jeff Markey, uh, Jen Ratcliffe, and myself. Uh, today uh, we have a new one. Uh, Tom Gordon's joining us. And uh, um, our question for today is, you know, we're, we're asking what's wrong with this picture. And we're often caught between a rock and a hard place in our careers where we're looking at or we're being looked at as glorified babysitters or as people who are preparing young minds for the real world. And so we should play a little bit of devil's advocate to start off with and kind of represent a little bit of our, you know, our own parents' ideas about school. Just to start things off, you know, my, my parents, they had a grade 10 high school education. That was about it. And so, you know, their opinions about education were, uh, were kind of, um, hey, if you want to get ahead, because I worked in a factory all my life, my dad said, you got to get an education. Does that still hold true today that an education is a way to get something outside of a factory job? Um, I don't know about outside of a factory <laughs> job because there's not that many factory jobs left, right? Well, like, I, guess I, I guess I mean like blue collar. Blue collar. Of, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, my, my dad had a grade eight education. He worked his way up from like an oiler to an engineer. You can't do that anymore. If you want to get a job like as an engineer or if you want to get a job as a professional, then there's no way of earning your way up the ladder to that type of position like there was in the past. Like that just doesn't exist anymore. So there are fields where you don't require an, an education and you can get super wealthy in those fields, no question. You've never needed an education to um, excel, but the fields that you can excel in are limited by your education. And I don't think that's changed. And I don't know that that will change. I would say that that's actually become more true than it used to be. There used to be the availability. My mother was offered a job as a teacher straight out of grade uh, 12. My dad had a grade eight education and was able to go from being an oiler to a chief engineer um, on the Coast Guard cutter without, you know, I mean, he went back and got his GED, but that's not a possibility for people. You need an engineering degree to do the job he did now. Well, Jeff, uh, what do you think about um, the new sort of uh, push to get kids uh, educated through ideas like STEAM or STEM uh, education, apprenticeships? Uh, well, I'm all for um, moving towards apprenticeships and uh, not necessarily pushing kids to go the university route per se because I think it's true that in order to do the kinds of things like Jen's alluding to any of those types of professions, you do need to have the qualifications and the bona fides. That entails getting an education. So I think that's, it's, it's crucial if you want to kind of, um, you know, uh, be successful um, going down any of those kinds of paths and you need to have some form of an education, now, whether that's, you know, university, you know, BA or something. I, I think there'll be fewer of those and more people going towards the trades and, and, and getting actually uh, some, uh, you know, useful vocational skills that they can, you know, transfer into lots of different kinds of uh, workplaces. 
eventually and you know, get those apprenticeships. And I think that's a better direction to, to push a lot of our kids too, especially at this school. It seems to be, um, you know, uh, the type of uh, kids often that we have would, you know, really do well in those uh, those areas. Is is that something uh, that you see specifically at our school? Like, what what do you what do you guys think the percentages of students from our high school here uh, that go on to college or university? How many? What what's the percentage you think? How many kids? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's always it, in not just our high school, but just yeah. across the board. It's always been a relatively low percentage. Mm -hmm of kids that go on to um, university. A lot of kids go into vocational training. Um, I don't know necessarily that that means that we need to become less academic in the way that we approach things, but I think we need to become more open about um, other avenues being just as valid and just as, I guess, respected. And that's, yeah, something, exactly. that's something that I think that we need to do a better job of across the board in education. However, if you want to become a doctor or a lawyer, if you want to uh, become a teacher, if you want to become a university professor, you're still going to need a, a degree or multiple degrees. So and we do a disservice by um, reducing the academic expectations that we place on the kids in general because we're closing doors for them. And I've always believed that education should be a place where doors are opened for you not where doors are closed tom yeah. tom you're you're in language arts and uh but you also have a bit of a music background as well um what do you think uh, of the connection between academics and sort of those kinds of elective courses how do they resolve each other in producing a, a productive member of society? What I've found is uh, some of the best moments that I've had at this school is seeing kids, whether they're in my class or not, uh, in the academic courses, not necessarily the best academic students, but then participating extracurricularly, whether it be dance or acting or music. Uh, and I, I you genuinely see the passion and what these kids are really interested in doing and it's probably not sitting in your classroom and um, those kids are and always have been some of the the brightest lights some of the kids that I think have have futures ahead of them and they already know what they want to do and they've already they're already out there in the community doing things right whether it be at, at local theaters or in bands or whatever they're doing and yeah uh, Gord I'm going to ask you a tough question. There are there are students in our school that just are trying their hardest to try and fit somewhere in into the school environment and into this sort of formal formalized learning, um, and they're having a really hard time. How do we reach those kids? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Renee. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, well, that's, that's, uh, a good, but you're right. Tough, tough question. Um, it, uh, you know, there's a few different avenues you, you can go. Um, part of me looks at what we offer here. Um, maybe not so much the importance of the actual content, but 
some of the things you need to to be able to do to get through it. Um, sometimes attending to tasks that you're not that interested in. Uh, many of us have probably had jobs, maybe we still do, that we're not super passionate about, but we know that we have to do them. Um, but just how to be on time, uh, you know, um, how to work with others, how to respect rules and regulations, even if sometimes you don't agree with them. I think those are all things that they can take, anyone can take out of out of this in- environment. Um, you know, quite often, or not quite often, but you do with certain kids uh, get the question, you know, why do I have to know this? Why do I have to know this? And yeah. sometimes I look at what we do here is we're going to throw a whole bunch of stuff at you for 13 years, um, and hopefully something sticks. You find an interest or a hook that, that reels you in, and that might, um, as Jen said, open doors for you later on. Um, and I think we devalue that a little bit, um, and sometimes we get into that trap as well and thinking, yeah, why do you have to, to know this? But Sometimes I don't think it's that important that they know how to do derivatives and calculus um, or learn about uh, how the Canadian government works to a certain degree. It's just about getting through those things and being in this environment. Um, and I f- we're hamstrung, uh, and I mean we as in local admin, probably our district admin, um, that we, we don't address enough of those, those life skills, I guess. Um, and uh, we sort of let those things go by the wayside um, where we're more worried about getting a certain mark um, when I, I don't think for a lot of these kids, some of these kids I should say that uh, you know we should address those other issues as well, maybe even more importantly than you know uh, the actual content. So, um, so is that something that we do in all of our classes anyways, teach those sort of uh, um, benefits that aren't part of our curriculum uh, specifically is that something jeff well you could call it the meta curriculum if you wish and uh, that's something that i always look at in my classes Mm -hmm. and you know as gord alluded to sometimes we're a little bit hamstrung because the reality is if you don't show up consistently if you are late continually if you don't get your work done you're gonna fail at a job any job right any career so one of the frustrations I have, and, and, and a lot of the students feel it too, especially the ones that get their work done on time, show up all the time, get all the assignments up to date, um, and then they see other people kind of rolling in with their late work and everything like that. We're, we're not really supposed to take marks away for work yeah. being late and things like right. that. I, I don't really think that sets the kids up uh, as... Uh, you know, for success as much as we could set them up for success by being a little bit more uh, mindful about uh, some of these, I think, important uh, traits and values that really uh, are reflected everywhere in the world around us, sometimes right. except for here. So we've for, we've formally removed uh, em- elements of competition in our education system, but that uh, that sort of goes against what's yeah, reflected the, in, in in the real world. The participation badge isn't going to pay the bills, right? <laughs> and second and third and fourth chances to make stuff up and do stuff when in the real world, right? Right. Yeah. Um, well, there's some mixed messaging there too, right? Like, um, yeah. what, what are the core competencies versus what are the expectations placed on teachers? Because meeting core competencies like um, communication skills or time management or even interpersonal skills uh, is challenging to achieve if at the same time you're not allowed to uh, have expectations regarding their time management or 
expectations regarding um, their attendance. Uh, if they're allowed to hand everything in on the last day of class, then it, it's challenging to meet that expectation uh, whilst simultaneously meeting the expectations of the sort of skills-driven curriculum that they've they've brought in now. And I guess it really speaks to it's sort of the underlying question behind today's podcast in general is like, what is the actual role of education? Um, are we here to teach the life skills like, like Thatcher and uh, Jeff were alluding to, or are we here to teach the new skills-based um, curriculum, or are we here to teach them content? Because those things are not necessarily mutually exclusive, but they're not always compatible either. I'm not sure that you can achieve all three of them simultaneously and give each of them the honor that they deserve. Right. Yeah. Is this the direction uh, that our school or uh, in general, uh, at least in our province here in British Columbia, with the new curriculum, is this a direction that you perceive is going to bring a more positive society, a more sort of productive and cohesive society? Or are we, are we working more on those other fringe things like inclusiveness and acceptance of, of other, right? And basically doing away with other. Um, what is our curriculum reflecting, you think? Well, I'm, you know, I guess the, maybe not so much with curriculum, but what I've always admired about this school, um, from what I know about the other schools, is that I think more than most in this district, maybe the three districts, um, and I've heard this from students and parents that have come here, um, I'm very proud of this place that I, th I think we're one of the more accepting schools. Um, I look at a class, or when we used to have a class of 30, uh, especially kids, from all sorts of different types of backgrounds and colored hair and countries and, and immigrants. Uh, uh, and I just, I've never seen, uh, I don't see it outwardly, it's far easier now with social media, I've never seen it outwardly. Um, you know, kids necessarily getting picked on or bullied because of the color of their hair or their sexuality. I'm not saying it doesn't go on. Um, I know the high school I went to, I mean, some of the kids I've taught would have been complete outcasts and wouldn't have finished. Um, I went to a pretty bad high school, though, in terms of its acceptance. And I've heard stories from about other schools in the district, friends of mine whose kids didn't finish at uh, particular schools because they were bullied. And so I've always been proud of this place because of that. Um, and when sometimes I get a little bit down about it, I, I think of that and think about the kids uh, that we've taught that uh, I think feel pretty comfortable here. And I, I like that. On the flip side, though, having been involved with several things over the years, like the Environment Club and things like that, I think the service aspect, volunteerism is down. I don't know if you folks would yeah, agree. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's natural. I know the like yeah. we're talking Kiwanis and other like it's down there as well. Things ebb um, and flow. I'd like to see that more, uh, but like I said, maybe that's not unique to this place. Um, so, like I said, I'm of, of, of two minds as far as the curriculum goes in terms of acceptance. I I don't know if there's a real there's more choice for them. I think which is, is probably a good thing, but. Uh, um, I don't know about sort of emphasizing more acceptance along that line. So I mean, I, I think we all do that inside of our classrooms and we integrate it into our curriculum when, whenever possible. I've certainly seen 
everybody here do that and create an environment of inclusivity. Um, and and I'm, I've always been very proud of our school for how inclusive we've been. I think that's something that we genuinely work towards. And I think that most people in the building have a, a real passion for it. I don't see that so much as, as being an issue as the, the change in academic expectations that the new direction and the new curriculum has brought in. Like I, I, I'm a proponent of, of skills-based curriculum. I like the idea that they're gonna finish with actual competencies that they can take into the real world. But I feel that to a certain extent we've put the, if you'll pardon the old-fashioned, um, I guess, <laughs> thought, that we've put the, the cart before the horse a little bit, and um, that in order to manipulate um, higher-order thinking, you need to have some content knowledge. So the idea that, that it can be a strictly competency-based, skills-based learning model doesn't take into account that you need for the kids to understand what the Cuban Missile Crisis is. Background knowledge. Yeah, before yeah. they can start manipulating the finer nuances of how the Cuban Missile Crisis contributed to the Cold War, or communicate that back out in a way that's meaningful, or be able to allude to that in a, a different environment as they leave school, or see how that's impacted their own political lives, or the political lives of others, or the world, right? Um, we, they need to have information in order to prove their competencies. And it seems like we're moving further and further away from the, the actual foundation knowledge and that we've left that behind in favor of um, proof of competencies. We want their opinions before they know anything. Exactly. Like, I've, exactly. I've noticed in my 11 and 12 classes that kids who come into my class don't know the stuff that they used to know. And so when I'm alluding to some Shakespeare play that everybody used to read in grade 10, not that, you, you know, uh, they don't know that. And how, how do you build on learning something else when they haven't done what they, yeah. And so by giving them all these choices, it's a good thing in some ways, but there are going to be the kids who opt for the easiest way or what were the least work or whatever it is and they're going to get through grade 12 uh mm -hmm. not knowing by the certain things that they all used to be just you know, yeah sort of by the skin of their teeth well i mean water electricity and most people take the path of least resistance so if you create a path of least resistance then that's the path of, you know, in Jake, especially if you're looking at teenagers who have lives outside of school, a lot of them work now, and if you create a path where they can get by without doing a whole lot of work, I think it's an unreasonable expectation that they're going to voluntarily take the path that involves more work. You should see the names on the New Media 11 class list. I know uh, in my in my area, in the fine arts, I'm... Uh, I, I see that, what Jen is talking about, definitely. The, the whole idea of, you know, uh, having those basic uh, skills in understanding even what, you know, uh, what the parts of a sentence are, so that they can tell a story, perhaps visually in drama class or in filmmaking. Um, because without that basic knowledge, the quality of their work is just, uh, not going to get them anywhere. <laughs> right. 
Right. Yeah, and then, so how well are we setting them yeah. up for life outside of school? Yeah. How do you yeah. not capitalize the first letter of a sentence? How do you not do that? I, I don't know. Stream they, of consciousness writing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Word, word is supposed to do that for you, though. T- texting. That's, yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But I don't Mr. think Adams. that they're doing it because they're emulating E.E. E. Cummings. I think no. they're doing it because no one ever taught them to capitalize, yeah, they, or they just got away with not doing it. Yeah, and and before they even approach that, they should know, you know, like you say, the, the background of it. Like, who is Jack Kerouac? Or, you What's know, it, the advantage of a sort of a, a generalist approach that we sort of used to take? Yeah. Um, then when you get to sort of the higher levels where most of us are teaching, there's that sort of background collective knowledge that people share and that we can access and then we can build upon. And, you know, as you're mentioning before, the foundation is a little bit weak now and it's hard to build uh, the house on a weak foundation. So that's, you know, and, and you know, to, for, you know, metaphorically speaking, that's one of the challenges we face. Well, if, yeah, if you go into 20th century history and you have no idea who Stalin is, then that's going to change the way that you are able to manipulate any other information or prove competencies. Is it, uh, is it partly... Middle school. For, forgive me, but it's is it partly school. our own fault? Yeah. There's nothing going on in middle school. No offense uh, to middle school yeah. teachers. That's what the kids are telling me. <laughs> No, that, I'm not. Yeah, I'm sure they won't be offended by that at all. <coughs> it's not. It's not them. Uh, Could it be that we're coming into our school without yeah. any knowledge of a lot of stuff? Could it be that also uh, partly that we're uh, we're you know two thirds of the way through our careers or three quarters of the way through our careers and we've been teaching the same sort of things over uh, I think there's an element of that you know and and we feel like oh they should know this by now wait a minute I haven't taught this to them right nobody has Stalin (laughs) Macbeth was a guy like like, these are just things that uh, five years ago the kids would have come into my class already knowing uh, it's it's not that I'm I'm not sure how you can get into grade 12 like 20th century if I ask you what you know about the Holocaust you shouldn't get a room full of blank stares and three kids who say Hitler like there should be a greater knowledge level that pre-exists them coming into the room and I I mean of course you're gonna teach them things that they can but the basic foundation understanding of things that they used to have it doesn't exist anymore when they come in and that means that you're teaching them more content than you used to and on top of that you're supposed to be moving away from content and moving more into the core competencies and there's a there's a real conflict there is this a typically North American phenomenon of education we see in Europe uh, the sort of uh, injection of parents being forced to do schoolwork with their kids at home. Um, they may not be spending as many hours in front of an instructor, and uh, but but they're spending more hours learning and studying. I've it's it, that's a good question. I've a lot of the international students I've taught, especially the ones from Europe, to be honest. Um, Italy and, and Germany, um, they rave as you know, as critical as we are right now. They rave about us. Um, they 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 like what we do. They like that we care. 
um, from a lot of those students, the feedback I've gotten is their teachers are very impersonal. It's very corporate, or not corporate, but very distant and more sort of university-like where, you right. know, it's I'm here to lecture and then... And all later. the uh, electives uh, are, are they have to take outside of school through community yeah. centers. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Um, There's way less choice. So it, it's interesting because you, we get into a bubble and sometimes we, mm-hmm. we don't like that bubble. Um, <laughs> but then when I... Uh, when I see and hear what's going on, especially in Europe, you know, we're, we're, I think we're ahead of the game quite Maybe, substantially. but they all know who Stalin is. True enough. Yeah. True enough. That's a good, I, I find European people though, in general, not even students, but all, all box there. I find all them, European people. Wow. <laughs> That's a well, scary statement. Uh, no, but I mean, they're more, they're level. more knowledgeable about the world around them. My travels over there, mm-hmm. like they, they're more informed. I'm not saying, they're always informed well or their opinions, but they they seem to be more newsy uh, than... I than would we... suggest that that's the function of their education system, that they know more because they've been taught more stuff mm-hmm. and that our kids have been taught Maybe, the same stuff. But I just know in terms of the kids I've taught in my classroom, their feedback is they 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 like us they like what we do i've heard exactly the right. same thing they love the course selection they love how much um the movie selection <laughs> they, <laughs> they love they love being taken care of they find us a lot more warm and approachable than their teachers we give them a lot more chances i don't think that 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 is mutually exclusive to providing them with information like i think you could give them the same scope of choices and you could give them the same warmth and level of care and still have a solid background of foundational information when they move into senior academic courses it's definitely your style of teaching Jeff. yeah okay. yeah that's yeah fair enough <laughs> that's awesome um i want to thank everybody we could talk forever on this subject and go in all kinds of directions here but uh, our time is up and I want to thank you so much for thank uh, you, Renee. for your, all your thoughts. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, sounds good. Always or the babysitters. We'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. Always a good time. All right.